Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I am John Glennon, cover the Titans and the Predators for Broadway Sports Media. Uh, give me a follow at Glennon Sports if you can. There you go. That is not the voice of Adam Vingan because Adam Vingan has become a father. Hooray! He right. is he is a father. Uh, I have no clue when he will be back on the show. I am efforting to find that out for you guys out there. But in the meantime, we are very grateful to have you, John. We've got a lot of fun stories to tell today. You you literally have written the book about the Nashville Predators, 100 Things You Need to Know Before You Die. So go check that out. You can buy it all over the place, wherever books are sold. Adam Bingen doesn't have a book, John. No, 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 no. He's still got a few years to uh, to catch me in terms of covering the uh, the Preds. <laughs> I think I was uh, I think I was at eleven or twelve seasons when I moved over to the Titans. So um, got a uh, Preds from from day one, basically of the franchise up until about uh, two thousand ten or eleven as the beat writer, and then of course still covered them, um, you know, on a, on a pretty regular basis ever since then. Well, we are in the dead of the offseason, so I want to get your thoughts on all the big storylines that have transpired over the course of the last month, some of the things that are coming for the Nashville Predators. Talk about John Hines, David Poyle, re-signing Philip Forsberg, all the big moves that, that are either either coming or have recently happened, so we haven't had a chance to talk with you, so we'll get your thoughts on a lot of that. We'll dive into some of those some of those stories that you actually put in the book that I think you know Preds fans that are sort of new to, to the organization, because there are a lot of them since 2017, of course. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you haven't had a chance to st- study you know, 1999 through 2007 hockey for the Nashville Predators, John's got a lot of great stories. So we'll do some of that as well. And of course, the, the contract for, for Ellie Tolvanen uh, coming up in just a second as well. However, of course, Gold Standard brought to you by Jaspers. Football is here and they've got great happy hours, great specials. Uh, of course, the parking is free, which is insane in, in downtown Nashville to have free parking. So uh, go check out Jasper's, of course, over on West End. Four Top Hospitality, Dev Paquette does the menu, and she does an amazing job. It's great bar food. It is the next evolution of the sports bar, John. That's what they say about this place. They, they say that. Yeah. And and the old one was pretty good to boot, so who who can only uh, imagine <laughs> the uh, the glory of the new one? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, obviously, uh, the, the big news, first and foremost, Ellie Tolvanen signs a new contract with the National Predators, kind of the last – guy that they needed to sort of bring back a a three-year deal worth 4.3 million dollars and I I thought this this guy could have been a candidate for like the Cali Yarncroak Philip Forsberg like longer four five six year deal maybe you pay him two million per the the first couple of years you maybe overpay him and then the last three years you underpay him David Poyle has done that in the past this one's sort of like halfway in between it's still a bridge deal but very, very affordable for the Preds and Ellie Tolvin and a guy, of course, that that you know has tons of talent. Your thoughts on the numbers that you saw, and then we'll get to your thoughts on on sort of his development as well. Yeah, I I think when I looked at that contract, it, it sort of represented to me that the Predators, you know, that there's a little bit of still, hey, hey, you've you've still got to prove it, you know, before we jump into that, you know, the the five year, the six year kind of deal. Um, I, I think Ellie Tolvanen obviously made some some huge strides uh, last year. You know, he played in in forty games, uh, twenty two points. You know, he was he was great on the uh, on the power play. Um, you know, I, I I think though what we're still looking for from Ellie Tolvanen is for him to show us that he can be an even strength guy, a real contributor, even strength guy. You know, throughout the entire season. Um, 
uh, as I say, real strength on the on the power play. There's no doubt about it. Spectacular shot uh, and a good playmaker on the power play too. Uh, and then you know what I also liked about Tolvanen that we hadn't seen so much before last year is the physical aspect of his game too. You know, was one of the uh, the top hitters on the team, and and I don't really think that was necessarily all that expected. You know, out out of Ellie Tolvanen, but again. That what we need to see in order for Ellie Tolvanen to have that next contract to take that big money step after this is that he can be a top six forward, that he can maybe fill that role that, that Victor Arvidsson had, you know, before he was traded, um, you know, and, and to, uh, to be an even strength contributor. Uh, and, and that, you know, uh, again, is when we're going to see that, that next jump, I think, for Ellie Tolvanen. I, I totally agree. Like you get rid of a fan favorite and we've talked a lot about, uh, about Arvidsson, um, obviously his departure and sort of the, <laughs> the players reactions on social media, of course, to all yeah. the, the, you know, how upset they were about it. And listen, I look, it, it's hard to be a fan of, of any team or hockey or whatever, and not enjoy watching Victor Arvidsson, but you're right. Ellie Tolvanen is a bigger, you know, younger, more physical, more talented player than Victor Arvidsson and the idea is for him to play that role now does he need to be on the first line or the second line I I, I don't know I'm, I'm not inside John Hines's head on that but I do agree I don't like we've talked about this for a year and a half now like he has to be on in the top six right for him to sort of reach the first round potential that we all raved about when he was in the KHL or whatever yeah, you know, he, he's not a guy that's going to be a, a, a checking forward. You know, he's not he's not the fastest guy. I think that's probably one of the biggest differences between he and Victor Arvidsson, uh, you know, is, is that Victor Arvidsson made great hay with that tremendous speed he had. He was able to get behind the defenseman a lot and, and led to a lot of a lot of breakaways, a lot of two on one situations. That's not Ellie Tolvanen's game. Ellie Tolvanen is more of a, a marksman. You know, he, he that that's why I think he does so well on the power play when he gets that extra little time, uh, that extra little space. You know, it's, it's ideal. He doesn't always get that extra time and space in the five on five situations. So that's where he's going to have to improve. So, you know, uh, again, huge strides for, for Ellie Tolvanen uh, last year. And, and again, we've been saying this for probably four or five years right. with Ellie Tolvanen, but he is still young. You know, he, he just turned 22 in, in April. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of good things that are, that are still going to happen for Ellie Tolvanen in the future. It's not as if he has peaked, I don't think. So, uh, you know, when, when we looked at the playoffs last year with Ellie Tolvanen, um, you know, I, I think that's when you say, if you're a Predators fan, there, there has to be another gear. There has to be something better. Yeah. Um, you know, he was scratched in, uh, in several of those games. Um, because I think the, it, you know, the, the pace was a little too much for him, um, you know, and, and he just wasn't able to contribute, but this is a real, real opportunity for Ellie Tolvin. And this is as good as it gets. Victor Arvidsson is gone. You know, there, there's going to be a number of people vying for that job. I think, you know, Philip Tomasino certainly, you know, is a guy that, that may wind up, uh, you know, even this year in, in that top six as well. So uh, there's going to be competition, but this, this, you know, I think this is a move, made in part with uh, with Ellie Tolvanen in mind. It, it's amazing. Before we get to your, your book, I, I you know, Poyle did some some work getting all these guys signed. Now they were all restricted, so like it's it was expected that they were going to be signed. But if you start doing the math on how many of these pieces are going to contribute, and I'm not talking about Mikhail Granlin. Obviously, he's a, an actual free agent that they went out and re-signed at $5 million per. But Matthew Olivier at 750 Tanner Janot at, at 800000 you look at Ellie Tolvanen at about 1.4, Dante Fabro at 2.4, 
and you sit 5 million, you sort of put that group together and you're like barely at $10 million for like five or six of your pretty important pieces. So I, I don't know that I, I think, you know, I don't think they were going to be that expensive, but David Poyle got the job done. And I don't think this team is, especially without UC and Tolvin. And I don't think this team is even close to a playoff team without all of those guys resigned. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And I believe I'm going to have to double check on this, but I believe Ellie Tolvanen's contract is set up so that even when he comes out of it, I believe he is still a restricted free agent. Uh, correct me if, I, if I'm wrong um, on, on that. But, you know, so I, I think it's still a very good situation for the Predators there. You know, they're still going to have some leverage uh, in, in the next contract situation, assuming uh, Ellie Tolvanen produces and, and uh, uh, you yeah takes the next steps that the, that the predators believe that he will. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, they, they cleared some, some cap space, certainly, you know, when they moved Victor Arvidsson, when they moved Ryan Ellis. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they did a good job of, of keeping some of that space open. And, you know, even if it's not this uh, off season, which is rapidly coming to a close, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, looking ahead, you know, I, I think there's a little bit more room than, than we might've predicted, you know, maybe at the end of uh, the end of last season. How how did you react when you saw all that stuff? I mean, I, we've we've talked about it on this show with Adam and and with our listeners. But what was your what were your thoughts like? As I've said before, Arvidsson and Ellis were probably my two favorite players. Just at like like if I were to be a subjective and take my media hat off and just sort of be like a Preds fan, yeah. I those are probably two of my favorite players of this generation. I, I don't know what what did you when you heard the news of on both of them? How did you react and and what do you make of the? Um, what words would you call this? Competitive rebuild, soft reset. Like, what do you what do you make of those cliche terms? Yeah, yeah. Competitive rebuild certainly has taken on a life of its own, hasn't it? After yeah. after some of these yeah. moves, and after David Poyle sort of suggested that, um, you know, to, to me, I, I can sort of see both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Those those guys were were huge, not only fan favorites, but obviously huge contributors to the to the club as well. You know, on on the other hand. You know, I, I think they were a part, uh, certainly a part of that core that maybe had had its day, you know, that that went to the cup final, that went to the second round uh, the, the next year. And, and that has sort of been on a, a bit of a slide since then. Now, in a perfect world, you know, I, I think instead of moving a, a Victor Arvidsson or, or moving a Ryan Ellis, you know, I, I think ideally you would probably want to move either Ryan Johansson or or Matt Duchesne. That's not going to happen uh, at present with uh, with those kind of contracts. So you have to shake things up, you know, and, and if you are doing that competitive rebuild, as, as David Poyle termed it, um, you know, you need to get a little bit younger. You need to make way for the next generation. So we see some, uh, you know, some some young defensemen out there, whether it's a Fabro, whether it's, uh, you know, David Farron or, or uh, you know, certainly Alexander Carrier, et cetera, et cetera. You know, those guys are, are going to have to start stepping up. Um, you know, we see a Tolvin potentially stepping up, Tomasino. Um, so, yes, yeah, certainly in terms of, of, of leadership um, and in terms of proven production, you know, there, there are some spots to fill. But I, I think it had to be done. You know, I, I don't think yeah, yeah. there was a sense at the end of last year. I don't think there was any kind of sense that you said, boy, just keep these guys together and, and, you know, and, and things are going to happen. I, I think it was still more a sense of, you know, th these guys have, have really had their day. It's time to shake things up. And, and that's what we see. Well, and it's weird. It's like, it's one of those, 
Not that there's not a current event in the world happening that almost fits this description to a T, but like it's one of those things where we we didn't want like it's not what we were rooting for, but it's sort of what we all know needed to happen. Yeah. And it wasn't going to be pretty when it happened. Right. Like we, yeah. we but but it doesn't mean that fans aren't sort of understanding of it. Right. Like they kind of yeah. I think they get it that, that it needed to happen, even if they're sort of like sad to see it, see them go, you know. Yeah. And, and I think we also have to realize that, you know, money played a, a you know, a significant role in this as well. And, and the, and the predators yeah. wanted to clear some cap space. And, and again, we come back and, and I'm sure we'll probably touch on this later, but again, we come back to that, to the Duchesne Johansson situation that those guys are, uh, you know, virtually untradeable uh, at, at this point and, and occupying a large chunk of the, uh, of the salary cap as well. So if you want to open up some space, if you want to be able to re-sign some of your key guides, you know, as they did uh, this year and, and in, in future years as well, you have to find some way uh, to, to get a little bit of cap leeway. And, and uh, you know, that, that kind of thing has to, and it's certainly, you know, we, we've seen this kind of thing happen, uh, you know, over, over the years in the past that, that uh, it's a business, you know, and, and popular guys do get, get traded away. And now, the question that that uh, you know the predators will have to answer, and ultimately you know will come down to, uh, to to David Poyle too. Are the guys that you think can fill those roles? Are they ready to fill those roles? You know, will we see a step back next year, or, or will we see these guys you know start to blossom and, and to emerge and and to take the predators to a uh, to a different level? Well, and we will get to all of that stuff coming up a little bit uh, coming up here in a little bit in the show. Get your thoughts, sort of set some benchmarks for expectations. For John Hines, for some of those young players, David Poyle, the team heading into camp here in just a, a few weeks. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But I, I do want to touch on the book, of course. 100 Things Predators Fans Should Know Before They Die. Go check it out. Go purchase it. Go to your local bookstore. Go to Amazon. I don't care where you go. Just go buy it. Uh, and, and if you're a Preds fan listening to this show, which, of course, is is what you're doing right now, <laughs> then uh, then there's probably a good chance that this will be a really good read for you if you have not already read it. And I think everybody knows because I know you, you wrote it after the cup final. And so Correct. I think everybody kind of there's a lot of knowledge from everybody, diehards and kind of casual fans and everybody in between post 2017. I think there's a lot of knowledge there, but I think there's a lot of gaps and a lot of history that people didn't live through. They don't remember the how physical the Vancouver series was in 2011 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. there's so much there and you had a chance to sort of go back and uh, relive all of that stuff because again you were on the beat for a long time and outside like outside of the basic sort of sports stuff that you wanted people to learn in the book there's a lot of stuff about the team about the origin of the name some stories about you know off the ice stuff what were some of the things that stood out the most to you when you were working on the book putting it together um, you know, I, I think, you know, the people stories are to me are, are sort of the ones that that always stand out, uh, um, you know, and, and whether that's kind of a people story of, of a of a Jordan Tutu uh, who will forever remain, a, you know, one of one of the most popular players here and one of the most entertaining stories, you know, I, I, I think back. Uh, you know, even to the day that he was drafted uh, and you go back to, uh, you know, a conference call, obviously this was not even in the days of, of Zoom back then. You had a conference call with a draft pick. And and here we're talking to this guy, Jordan Tutu, that all we know, you know, he's from the, the, the you know, near the Arctic Circle, um, you know, completely different sort of upbringing. And he's on the phone with the uh, with the Nashville media 
talking about how he uh, he was raised, uh, uh, you know, shooting wolves from a snowmobile, uh, you know, hunting hunting seals and whales, and we're kind of looking at each other, going, "Is this real? You know, is this is this a you know is this made up? Is this some kind of a joke that that we're listening to?" And and you know, he he was talking about you know how there was no no trees on the uh, on the um, you know, on the tundra that he lived on and, and following the caribou and so forth. So really from, from day one, uh, Jordan Tutu was just, uh, was, you know, incredible uh, human story. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and, you know, again, as I say, getting to know uh, uh, players and, and what made them different, what made them special over the years and, um, and, and the quirky sort of offbeat stories, too. And, and one, uh, you know, I shared with you before we before we came on today, one that that always comes to mind quickly is the is the uh, the, the father's trip uh, for the Predators. You know, it's, it's become kind of an, an institution uh, for the Nashville Predators. Uh, but the, uh, the the very first one um, uh, had a little bit of an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> twist uh shall we say to it now this was back in uh in 1999 i think it was actually the second year of the predators was the first father's trip uh and so they uh they packed the dads aboard the old plane and they headed up and it was a two-game road trip i believe in buffalo and new jersey uh great ideal spots Ooh, uh, you had to like that if you're if you're a dad oh yeah thanks for the buffalo new jersey <laughs> fly down uh, from, fly down from canada to go back to buffalo <laughs> yeah to go to buffalo new jersey in the middle of winter great um but uh it was it was pretty interesting that you know they sort of planned events for for these days for the for the dads and you know while they were in buffalo on on game day you know the players are going to spend most of their time at the rink so the, um, the the plan was for the dads to go to the uh, the bowling hall of fame. Uh, I guess your your options are slightly limited in Buffalo, uh, and <laughs> this, also this trip gets better and better as you tell it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and also uh, they were they were scheduled to play a little bit of pool. I guess they'd reserve some time at a, at a pool hall as well. Who you know what what wow. dad doesn't like to play a little <laughs> little pool in Buffalo too? But uh, but anyway, so these guys pile on their their bus and and apparently the uh, the dad had a different idea for their for their day off uh than uh, than the schedule that was laid out for them um and and in true teenager form you know I, I i it's kind of ironic you know these dads had been the guys that kept their sons in line you know for for how many years to try to get them into the into the pros so their first chance to to uh, to have a little fun for themselves they decide hey let's take this bus down to the nearest uh you know grocery store loaded up with a bunch of cases of beer um and and make our our next plan from there so that's what they did they uh, they headed down they uh, they they pulled out a few cases of beer uh for all the dads and they decided uh, all right next step is going to be we're going to head over the border back into Canada <laughs> and what are we going to do for entertainment? Well, we're going to see a little of the uh, what what is uh, uh, sometimes known as the uh, Canadian ballet, uh, <laughs> which is uh, which is a bit of a euphemism for shall we say maybe mm, exotic dancing, entertainment, uh, uh, entertainment, entertainment, and entertainment. Absolutely. So the dads had a ball. They, they had a uh, <laughs> they had a a wild wild time. To the point that you know they were supposed to be back at a, at a certain time, uh, you know, to get ready for the the game that night and so forth. 
Well, when the players took their buses to the game that night, the dad still hadn't returned. Um, and, and Barry Trotz, uh, you know, was quoted. I, I remember him saying that, uh, you know, he, he was kind of wondering to himself, you know, this was again, even before cell phones were too prevalent. Um, so he was, you know, they're all kind of left wondering, wondering, you know, where in the heck are the dads uh, at this point? But eventually, eventually the dads managed to find their way uh, to the Sabres game in time to see their sons. And uh, they, uh, they, they not only beat the Sabres that night, but uh, a couple nights later, they beat a very good uh, New Jersey team in overtime. Uh, so the, the, the good fortune that they had clearly overshadowed any kind of hijinks <laughs> might have gone on. And, and the, uh, the dad's trip kind of came cemented in uh in predators lore uh after that and we see that happen every year i believe yeah in, in recent years i think they've even had a uh had a mom's trip or two yeah, as well yeah. so. and i think a lot of other teams a lot of teams in the nhl do it as well and what's yeah. interesting like i just think about barry trotz like being like the dad kind of coach you know we know he's suspended <laughs> players in the past for like being out too late you know it's like i could just see him like sternly talking to all the dads like when they get back to the ring, like what are you guys doing uh, can you suspend a bunch of dads from a game is that possible <laughs> i don't know yeah that's a good question but but it was kind of interesting now the the rumor uh i don't know if this is fact or not but you know the predators first captain was was tom fitzgerald uh great great guy you know salt of the earth kind of guy uh and now the, the rumor was uh you know as much as tom fitzgerald was a leader on the preds team Tom Fitzgerald's dad was rumored <laughs> to be uh, one of one of the ringleaders on the on that initial dad's uh, trip. So, you know, I guess leadership uh, flowed down from uh, from from father to son uh, in in that respect. But yeah, uh, quite a uh, quite a time had by the uh, by the old men. Yeah, sounds like a lot of things were flowing uh, down. Yes, that's, that's yes. for sure. I, I think the way I phrased it in the book was they arrived in good spirits to the to the game. <laughs> shall we that's... say? The gold standard is brought to you, Aaron Dugan, by Jaspers, the leader in unbuttoning pants across Middle Tennessee. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> that got weird real fast. That was I don't... so, that was so oh. unintentionally sexual. It was yeah. an accident. Yeah, that was super sexual, Aaron. Yeah, don't... but you get it. I mean, you eat a lot. Okay. Right, when you get fat because you've eaten at Jasper's too many times. Or when you're taking your pants off for other reasons. <laughs> you're continuing the sexuality. Just well, what am I supposed it. to do? Just I already stop. said it, and I know you're not going to take it out. So. Nope, I'm not taking it out. I okay. mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, really... Uh, um, really? so people should go to Jasper's, uh, to watch football games. How about that? Call them for a good time. <laughs> I'm trying to get us back on track, Aaron, back okay. on the track where we okay. tell people why they should go to a wonderful <laughs> establishment like Jasper's to watch football games and eat food and drink beverages and enjoy their other people's company and watch their See? favorite team. <laughs> and, you're just, and you're just taking us and you're just taking us into the gutter i almost did it again do it again go for it what else you got how many more no, could you, you have? just said enjoy people's company and i started laughing again because you get it <sighs> go to jasper's Gaspers. located only two blocks from the hustler hollywood nashville <laughs> <laughs> 
Go Good to luck Jaspers. getting us back on track now. <laughs> Go to Jasper's. You can park for free. And after a few cocktails, if you happen to meet somebody at Jasper's, there's a hustler right down the street. Uh, yeah. I mean, Good could God. walk, could drive. I believe the hustler has free parking as well. Stop I'm just it. kidding. Stop I don't know. It. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. It, do- it does actually, but stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, football is here. This is a week one preview podcast. And Jasper's is the sponsor of this podcast. And so we are supposed to tell you that you need to go to Jasper's. They have a wonderful meal, free parking, great happy hour. It's a great place to watch the game. You can post up there like all weekend this weekend because we've got games, games galore on different days. So you can just go and you could do like four happy hours in a row, four different days, four, three. Yeah, no, five, five, technically, technically five. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, five straight days of college football and SEC teams on like all but one of those days, probably. Yep. So So you could potentially do four SEC football games at Jasper's in a five day span with four different happy hours. That's something special. And according to Aaron, bring four different partners with you. I didn't go that far. I did. Well. That's good because I've I mean, made... it's a, look, it, there's people, people speed date all the time. You could just take four different people to Jasper's over the weekend, four different games, and you would absolutely narrow the field down quickly. People show up to Jasper's this week. They're like, oh, I'm here for the um, speed dating, the speed dating uh, event. And they're like, what are you guys, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, but I mean, think about that. I don't know what it's like to date because it's been a decade, but like if, if I could ever meet four people that wanted to go on a date with me back in the day, you could in theory just, just, like line them up back to back to back to back on, on the first weekend of college football at a wonderful establishment like Jasper's. And you couldn't, you would weed out, like you would get to the number one team in the country pretty quickly is what I feel like. Maybe Jasper's will set me up my own speed dating event there. Just, just it's not, me. It's not speed dating for the city. It's just it's like for the Aaron. bachelorette, except for it's only one day and it's only at Jasper's. And and it's like one of those reality TV shows where there's contests. It's like, who can eat the entire plate of barbecue, sweet potato fries? Right. And then at the end, they find out they find out at the end that I just didn't want them to speed eat it at all. And I judged everyone who tried really hard. Yeah. Like, I I don't I don't the hot dog eating contest like that kind of speed eating didn't really do it for me. Oh, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. Gross. Yeah, I can't watch it. It's gross. We digress. I can watch football. I can watch football at Jasper's, though, because it's a great place to watch the game. And uh, they got great happy hours, great food. Um, the, the menu's great. It's just what else can we say about Jasper's? It's a great place to watch the game. Maybe we'll be there this doing that on Saturday. Maybe we'll be there this weekend. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Did you start, like, were were you raised a hockey fan? Uh, Like, did you grow up loving the game? And that's how you kind of ended up on the beat? Is that, I know that doesn't always, you know, you know, you don't like, people don't like grow up loving like the state legislator or like the education beat and they end up covering that too. So it's not. It doesn't mean that a good reporter doesn't, he doesn't have to love, he or she doesn't have to love their subject matter to be a great reporter. But did you grow up w- with that kind of passion for the game? And and was it, th- that obviously translates into your work? Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, I grew up in uh, in the kind of the Washington DC area, Northern Virginia, just outside of DC. Uh, but both my parents born and raised in, in Boston. Um, and, and, you know, certainly my dad was a was a huge uh, hockey fan. So as we grew up, we had, you know, like partial season tickets to the, to the fledgling 
Washington Capitals uh, way, way, way back in the day. So we saw some very, very, very bad uh, hockey. I think that in one of their very early years, I believe the Capitals won, literally won, I think either eight or nine games uh, the, the entire season. So we weren't necessarily seeing some, some top quality hockey, but you know, again, that, that passion was sort of uh, instilled in me. And then what happened was, um, you know, I was covering the Titans, um, for the Memphis paper for, for one season, the year that they played in Memphis, uh, which could bring up a whole new band of stories, <laughs> but that's a different story. Um, but after that season was over, after the Titans decided, Hey, the heck with Memphis, we're going to go play in Nashville. We, you know, we, even if we have to play in Vanderbilt for one season, well, the Memphis newspaper said, all right, well, we're not really interested in covering the Titans if they're not going to play in our city. So they said they gave me a choice. They said, you can either, you know, be our, our main college guy, our SEC guy, or we can kind of give you sort of a little bit of a window here to look for a, uh, for a new gig. Um, and I said, oh, you know, I'll, I'll look around. I knew that the Predators were, were coming to town. Um, and, uh, and sure enough, um, you know, that opening was there and, and I managed to, uh, to jump in. But uh, yeah, it's long been a passion. I, I can remember, in fact, uh, being in college and, uh, you know, I, I was at Virginia, which is about two and a half hours outside of D.C., barely enough, uh, you know, to, to get a radio reception from one of the really powerful stations in D.C. back in the day. So I can remember, um, you know, a uh, the Easter, the famous Easter game in the Capitals in the playoffs, where I believe went to either, it was either three or four overtime against the uh, against the New York Islanders. Uh, and, and I'm, you know craning my my head and neck to the radio to try and get you know every bit of staticky call of, of the game that i could <laughs> uh and and you know it was it was actually a a crushing loss uh for the capitals who fell to the islanders in three or four overtimes but yeah the uh the the passion has has long been there for for hockey for me well, and probably all those terrible Washington teams is how David Poyle ended up with his job, probably. <laughs> well, that, you're exactly right. In, in fact, um, it, it was a, it was a situation where the Capitals were so bad for so long that there was even, you know, the, the fan base, you know, eventually got tired of, of watching awful hockey. Uh, and, and there was a thought that the Capitals were, were not long for, for Washington. Um, and that is about the time that David Poyle came in. You know, within a week or two, he had traded for Rod Langway, um, you know, who became a centerpiece of that franchise for years to come. Uh, you know, and, and David Poyle made the, had the, the Capitals in the playoffs, I believe, 14 out of the 15 years he was there. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's an incredible stat given, you know, uh, the, the, the owner back then, Abe Poland you know, was not a guy who, who tossed dollars around by any stretch. And then there was no salary cap back then either, of course. So that, you know, the small budget capitals, much like the, the small budget predators in their early years, you know, we're, we're always going against the odds, but you know, we're, we're at least again, you know, a playoff contender or, or you know, a team that got in the postseason every single yeah. year. And, and really, he really turned that franchise around. People listening under the age of 35 are like, what is a staticky radio signal? And I, I know what that <laughs> I know what that is. My father knows what that is. You know what that is. But a lot of people listening have no clue on this yeah. crystal on this crystal clear, perfect podcast <laughs> delivered right to your phone. Um, it, what's funny is like it, you, you mentioned David Poyle's first big move. And I'm kind of like, it's like 35 years of trading for centers. <laughs> like, yeah. like he's just, well, <laughs> he's just been trading for centers for like four decades. 
Well, yeah, uh, he has that he and he did trade for centers too. Now, now Rod was uh, was more of the uh, the the back line, you know, blue line type sure. type guy. Um, but what's what's good uh, about that that story too um, is is that you know this was a monstrous trade that that David Poyle pulled off. Um, one of the one of the biggest, you know, really in, in hockey uh, history for for years. Um, and in in true David Poyle form. He kept things very, very secret. He said he had uh, that night uh, he had driven with his dad, you know, who, of course, was his greatest confidant and a mentor and so forth. He drove to the uh, to the Capitals game uh, with his dad, never breathed a word of what was about to happen uh, to his dad, that this trade was about to be pulled off. So an hour or two later, the news comes out, um, you know, that the Capitals have made this monumental deal. And, and of course, David Poyle's father, Bud, is like, yeah, wait a minute, we were just in a cab together, <laughs> you know, a couple hours ago. And, and you didn't mention this to me. So that that, you know, we, we often talk about how, how close to the vest David Poyle is. Well, even with his father, uh, his mentor, there, there was no advance warning of, of a, a huge blockbuster trade. I'm thinking back because they didn't they, they traded for tourists well before the deadline and that would have been in like November. So I'm just wondering if he's sitting at the Thanksgiving table with like Brian <laughs> and Brian's over there like looking at his phone going like, wait a second, did we just get Kyle Turris? Dad, what are you doing? Why don't you tell me what's going on here? Uh, although I guess if he's working for the organization, he probably knows so. Right, right. Yeah, that's different, different kind of story. Yeah. They're both working for the organization, but uh, now nah, let's yeah, make it the same story. Let's make it the same. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny. Spe speaking of Kyle Turris, uh, um, you, you know, ultimately, we, we know that, that the Kyle Turris deal became, you know, pretty decent sized albatross uh, on, on David Poyle. You know, things didn't ultimately work out well. But, you know, maybe what what a lot of people don't remember is how well incredibly well uh things started with yeah. uh with Kyle Turris and and the reason I, I mentioned that um you know it was it was not too long after that that I you know that I was writing uh the book and one of the the chapters I have in this book is how Kyle how perfect a fit Kyle Turris was <laughs> for the Nashville Predators so that that is one that did not age well uh as the as the saying goes but uh yeah you know I think in the in the you know if I look back it was like the first 20 games you know, I want to say there was about he was averaging about a point per game, and, and it just could not have gone better. Yeah, it took a took a turn south uh, <laughs> after that, and, and never really went north uh, again afterwards. Unfortunately, man, I could listen to you tell stories about hockey all day. Um, anything else from the book you want? Any other how the Predators got their nickname? Anything else you want fans to know that maybe you don't? Maybe the newer fans that are have been around the team for maybe three or four years that don't. Just before we move on to sort of expectations for the season and, and camp, do you have any any Anything that you think is important that people know to sort of put the franchise's evolution in context, maybe? Well, there are probably some of those uh, uh, that, that are certainly in there. I, I, but I guess, you know, as I was just kind of flipping through the book earlier, I, I, I kind of like the, yeah, the quirky stories um, a, a little bit more. And one that, that I came across that I always like, um, you know, everyone knows that, that Pekka Rene, you know, was, was a tremendous uh, goaltender, you know, was obviously the franchise goaltender for years and years uh, for, for this team. Um, but there's always kind of the question when you look back at Pecorino's career and, and you say yeah, he got started a little bit late. You know, he didn't really become the uh, the, the top Nashville netminder until, you know, he was 
I want to say, you know, 25, 26 uh, years old. Um, well, one of the reasons for that goes goes back to one of the stories in the book. And he was initially called up um, in March 2008. Okay, we're going way back. This is when the Predators, two goaltenders at the time were Chris Mason, who, of course, is a Nashville Predators broadcaster now, and a guy named Dan Ellis. Um, both of those guys were struggling in, in March of, of 2008. Uh, so the, the call was put out to this young, talented prospect who'd been doing very well in the American Hockey League, Pecorine, to come on up. Well, this uh, this certainly put a, a little bit of a motivational bug in, in, in Dan Ellis, who was kind of the primary guy at that point. Uh, Pecorine was called up, but as Pecorine was coming from Milwaukee to Nashville, Big snowstorm dumped about a foot of, of snow uh, way back in the day of Nashville. So so his flight was delayed. Right. And when he finally got here, he didn't even have his equipment. You know, that had been rerouted somehow. Uh, so he couldn't play right away. Well, Dan Ellis gets that that one last chance, you know, before <laughs> Pecorine is set to take over. And Dan Ellis goes out, makes the most of it. He has uh, he, he makes 37 saves that night in, in 38 shots. All right. Then a couple days later, he begins a shutout streak that lasted 233 minutes. Well, at this point, they said, OK, Pekka, we, we appreciate you, make, you making the, uh, the trip up here. Thanks so much. We're going to send you back down to Milwaukee. We're going to give Dan Ellis a, uh, a new two-year, $3.5 million contract, and he's going to be the guy for us for the, for the immediate future. <laughs> uh, so that uh, prompted uh, you know, Dan Ellis's nickname after that was Snowstorm uh, because it was a <laughs> snowstorm that, that, that certainly saved his, uh, his life, yeah. delayed the inevitable Pekka Rene uh, uh, coming on. But that was, uh, so that, that was another story that I, that I kind of liked. And there's some quirky stories in there along with, as, as you mentioned, a lot of really important uh tales of, of you know where this franchise came from yeah. uh you know some yeah. of the the linchpins of of you know the uh um the early years and and, and kind of those years that that led up to the cup as well well i'm i'm, I'm live fact checking you here on the show and you're pretty spot on, on all of this stuff uh because <laughs> uh, pekka played two games in 2006 yeah. season that yep. ends in 2006 um, he did not play at all in 2007 and he played one game in 2008 and then started his career with 52, truly started his career, 52 games in the 2008 and nine season, um, at 26 years old. So there you go. Like, so I'm not lying. On. Yeah, no, yeah. Pretty, sp pretty spot on. Um, yeah. so go, go by the book. That's what I got to tell people. How about that? It's, it's, I, I, I'm, uh, you know, I will toot my own horn a little bit and say I, I really enjoyed writing it uh, myself and, it, and I've gotten good feedback on it as well so uh, yeah if you're if, if you're uh, certainly if you're if you're a newcomer uh, Predators fan you want to know a little bit more about the the uh, the franchise you know I think there's an awful lot in there that that you would enjoy that's just two we just gave you two there's 98 more in there so that's right go go, go get the book of course John Glenn and 100 things uh, that all Predators fans should know before they die. So go check that out. All everywhere books are sold. Okay, so let's wrap up today. Sort of looking ahead. Training camp is still a couple of weeks away. Of course, we we sort of know the position battles. I'm just curious, sort of ten thousand foot view of the franchise. You know, John Hines. I think there's a sentiment that at least Adam has said this on the show before, and I kind of agree with him because I I, I, def I will defend John Hines. I think we've seen. We have not even seen him have a full regular season yet. There, there has not been a moment where he has started a season like in October with a full training camp. 
played a full 82 games, and then had a normal postseason. He has not even had that yet as a Nashville Predators head coach, and he's been the head coach for what? Like, go, go, almost, he'll be two years in, in January, right? So yeah. he's just been dealt this very strange hand. And, and to see them sort of develop and his system take root and see how it grew last year, I, I don't know if that means that John Hines is good enough to win a Stanley Cup championship. I don't know if David Poyle is good enough to build a Stanley Cup champion. He's done it in the past. We have not seen that kind of level of, of success from John Hines. But I think right now, they, they both are sort of the guys to do the job. And, and for now, I think they're the two pieces that, that, that Predators fans have. So I, I don't know about your thoughts on John Hines' upside as a coach. Uh, can David Poyle recreate the magic of, again, people forget, an eight seed, a 16 seed, really, that, that made a run to the cup? I don't know where you stand on sort of your expectations for those two guys over the course of the next year or two. I I'll start out with, with John Hines and I am pretty much in, in lockstep with you on, on my feelings on, on John Hines in that, uh, you know, I, I realize he's been around now for a year and a half, but I still think in my way of thinking, it's still give the guy a chance, give him, give him, um, you know, the same kind of chance that any other coach would. We have not seen him get a, a full training camp. As you mentioned, he comes in halfway through one year and then the following year, it's a, it's a shortened training camp. It's, it's highly impacted by COVID. Um, and then really throughout the entire season, the season is so compressed that you don't get much time in between games to, to teach, you know, to, to really bring in that system. So, uh, you know, I love the way the Predators finished last season. You know, we talk about what 27 and one going down the stretch, uh, you know, and, and I still think that, you know, there was a sentiment going into the playoffs that, okay, this is going to be ridiculous. This is going to be a blowout. This is going to be a Carolina sweep um, and, you know, a highly competitive series with Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, when six games, you know, four straight overtimes, um, and if I recall correctly, they led in both games, five and six. Uh, I, I believe that that's the case before losing. Certainly it was. It was yeah, I think, six. yeah, I think that's absolutely true. They, they, they gave up the lead in the, either the right. second or the third period, both games. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I think things are moving in the right direction for, for John Hines. You look at his, you know, winning and his points percentage in Nashville in a year and a half, it's, it's far better than he had in, in New Jersey, certainly in, in three and a half seasons there. And I think also now, you know, we're, we're seeing more of a team that has John Hines' stamp and his players in here, you know, and I kind of think in terms of the forwards, you know, how, how important Mikhail Granlund is to the John Hines system. Uh, you know, he, he was kind of what uh, seemed to sort of symbolize uh, John Hines' system yeah. and, and to bring yeah. him back, um, you know, I, I think that is huge. And, and some of the other guys, some of that other cast that was more sort of the Peter Laviolette crew, you know, maybe, maybe uh, you know, Victor Arvidsson, uh I think when you when you kind of read between the lines uh, in in Victor Robertson's you know exit interview, uh, if you will, it, it didn't seem like he was entirely happy, um, you know, with the situation here. I don't think he ever uh, directly said, you know, John Hines is not a guy I like, but it, it seemed to me that you know he was not uh, not too happy uh, here. So I I, I think. As I say, the the more time goes on, and and the more we see guys like you know whether it's a Luke Cunning or or Granlund, uh, you know players of that nature, um, you know take bigger roles here. I I think that's 
the really the true time to, to kind of judge John Hines uh, and his system. So I, I think there's still an upside. And I'll, I'll add this too. you know, one of John's, John Hines' traditional strengths over the years has been developing younger players, working with younger players. We're going to see a number of guys fill those roles next year, both on the, in the forward slots and on D. So, you know, if, if John Hines can kind of live up to that reputation that he has of developing younger guys, of, of developing relationships with the younger guys, Guys, you know, maybe that allows the, uh, the the Predators to take the next step. And then, you know, looking at David Poyle, uh, you know, have there certainly been some mistakes made? I, you know, I, I don't think anyone uh, doubts that. And, and you know, as we mentioned earlier, the the, the monster contracts to, to Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne, you know, top the list. And, and we're going to keep on talking about them because those guys really can't go anywhere, uh, you know, yeah. for a while. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Some of the uh, some of the good moves that that David Poyle has made, I, I think, of late, um, you know, have been a result of, uh, unfortunately, some of the mistakes he made, um, you know, and whether that's clearing out cap room because he has to, um, you know, making some trades uh, again be, because he has to. Um, but uh, honestly, you know, after watching David Poyle for, for so many years um, and seeing what he has done with teams um, that have kind of the odds stacked against them. And, and again, you know, we talked about this earlier, a lot of times, uh, you know, up until really recently, the last few years, Nashville Predators have been a smaller budget, smaller market teams going up against, heav you know, heavyweights. Right, now right. you look at this team and, and they've had more money to spend, you know, maybe the last half decade or so. Um, but, you know, to, to do what David Poyle has done and have this team be in the playoffs virtually every single season, you know, with the exception of a few, um, you know, is, is impressive. And, and you're looking at the guy, obviously, who holds the record for the uh, for the most wins by a general manager, um, you know, a guy who has taken his team to the cup final, uh, you know, a guy who's had uh, his team in the in the playoffs, uh, you know, seven straight years, uh, you know, if you want to include the, the year that they played in the in the qualifying round. It, it, uh, count, well. it counts. So, it counts. That's right. If the NHL says it counts, it counts. So I, I still think, you know, uh, there, there's some confidence there. I, I think people have to look at the big picture and maybe not just the most recent uh, uh, years. I, th I think David Poyle has to uh, has to turn things around himself like like any hockey team might uh, if it's having a bad season. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still OK with David Poyle. I'm, I am not a guy that's beating the drum okay. for, you know, David Poyle must go. All right. I'll leave you with this. Do the Nashville Predators make the playoffs this year? Yes. Yes, okay. I, right. I think they will. Um, how, I, how about I, this? What has to happen for the Nashville Predators to make the playoffs? Well, I, th I think they have to have, um, you know, first and foremost, either Matt Duchesne or Ryan Johansson has to play, uh, you know, to a level that they used to. You know, I, I think it's probably too much of an ask at this point to say both those guys have to. But, you know, to me, especially Matt Duchesne, you know, you look at his shooting percentage last year and you look at what a hard luck guy he was. And I don't know, you think things are going to turn around for him. And perhaps, you know, if he's a part of that line with with Ryan Johansson and Philip Forsberg, maybe that's an answer for all those guys in, in terms of uh, improving their right. level. So I think one of those guys has to uh, has to jump back up. 
I think, you know, whoever's going to fill that, that last spot on the, on the top six lines, is that Ellie Tolvanen? Is that Philip Tomasino? You know, even, and right. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there as a, as a long shot, but, but I'm intrigued by the Tanner Janot possibly uh, playing, uh, playing way up there. I think Cody Glass, get, maybe Cody Glass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not out of the question either, but I, I like Tanner Janot as kind of a, uh, a Tom Wilson kind of guy without yeah, the yeah. Uh, insane side that, that, that Tom <laughs> Wilson uh, has. So, you know, they, they have to get some some uh, some good play from some of these young guys that are stepping up in the roles. You know, Alexander Carrier has to step on as well. But if they can get a bump from one of their, their key veterans, some of these young guys coming through yeah. and another UC Saros season, uh, you know, the kind of season that he had last year, I think we got a, we got a playoff team. You, you've convinced me. I'm on board. All right. At least, at least for this week until Adam comes back and brings all of his <laughs> melancholy emo dashboard confessionalness back to the show and brings us all maybe, back down. Maybe, you know, maybe the, the, uh, the birth of this first child, maybe, uh, maybe things have changed <laughs> for Adam. Maybe young Arlo has brought great joy, uh, into his life. Maybe you'll, you'll deal with a completely different Adam Vingan at that point. Yes. Arlo Jules. Vingan, the most hipster emo baby in the history of, of babies. And we are so happy. Mama's doing great. Uh, Adam's doing great. The baby's doing great. Everybody's happy and healthy. And uh, uh, like I said, he'll be back at some point. But you know what? Like, even when I even when you fill in, there has to be some like weird backstory connection to the Capitals. Like they're just yes. even for people that fill in for Adam, who's obviously got his own backstory <laughs> with the Capitals. There's got to be a backstory yep. with the Capitals to do this show. That's what you have to do. David Poyle, Absolutely. John Glenn, and Adam Vingan. So, hey, thank you so much, man. Uh, everybody, tell everybody where they can follow you and, and go buy the book and all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah. Follow me for my stories uh, at Glennon Sports, you know, uh, Broadway Sports Media. We've got a ton of good content over there, whether it's Titans, whether it's Nashville SC and, uh, you know, Predators as well. Um, so uh, give me a give me a look. Give me a follow and uh, hope to uh, hope to hear from uh, interested readers uh, down the line here. There you go. Broadway Sports is the website at Glennon Sports. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Again, make sure you go to Jasper's uh, Gold Standard, brought to you each and every week by Jasper's. Free parking over on West End, the next evolution of the sports bar. Uh, you've got a great menu, great happy hour, four to six every day. Then they've got other stuff that's that's on, on special almost every single day of the week. you got football games here, so make sure when your football team's on, on Saturday or Thursday or Sunday or Monday, whenever they're playing, uh, make sure you, you know, especially on the road, go check out Jasper's. they got a great place to watch the game. And it... it you know, John, it's not like regular old sports bar food. The parking is free. Like they're basically demolishing the old version of the sports bar and and, and reconstructing a new one. It, it's a competitive like rebuild it. for, for, for the sports bar. It's, it's, it's what it is. And they're already a playoff team is what it sounds like. It's exactly. They're actually, they're, they, they're already chasing down the president's trophy of Nashville sports bars. So uh, I always nice. appreciate Jasper's. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me, of course, on Twitter at Braden Gall. Thank you, John. That was an absolute pleasure. I appreciate Absolutely. your time. And, and sure, your really, really enjoyed it, Braden. Any, any uh, for the uh, for the next birth of the next Vingan child, I I wait <laughs> patiently for my next call up. So at least <laughs> next summer, at least if That's my right. math, if, if my math serves correct. So at least next yes. summer. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you guys all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show, all that great stuff. Uh, again, thank you, thank you, John, for for doing this. Go buy the book, everybody. This has been the Gold Standard on the Four Forty Sports Network.